You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. So for visitors again, um, I'm not Pastor Jet. I'm a little bit taller. That's about the only difference. Um, So Pastor Jet, like I mentioned, is up in Elba Lake, Minnesota, uh, preaching at a revival up there. Uh, So I apologize for you missing him this evening. I know he would love to meet you. Uh, He will be back Sunday, so it would be awesome if he came back Sunday. Uh, I got to hear the actual pastor preach, a good message probably. Uh, Yeah, he always brings a good message. Um, And just meet him and get to know the family. We sure would love to have you back. But we are grateful that you're here tonight, uh, midweek through through the week on a Wednesday, uh, taking time after work and coming on in. Sure to appreciate it. Um, I know I'm grateful to be here this evening. It's always sometimes stressful to come to church on Wednesday night, isn't it? Could be a little rushed, maybe, you know, getting off work or whatever you've got going on. Get home. If you're going to eat, try to, and then get ready and come to work or come to church and, you know, be here. And you're just like, oh, I'm here. But that's how I always feel when I get here. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm here. This is good. I'm glad I came. Uh, so hopefully you feel that way this evening. Um, my, my goal tonight is to hopefully encourage you uh, and challenge you a little bit. Uh, pastor asked me, I think it was a little over a week ago, he I mean, I guess I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit. I probably shouldn't do that. I mean, he might ask me again. Uh, but he asked me about a week ago or so uh, to preach tonight because when we were at the men's advance a little while ago, uh, Brother Clark was there and reminded him that he was being preaching this, this week up there and Pastor thought it was one more week in the future. So he was reminded at the men's advance that it was this week that he was going to be there, not the following week. So he thought he had a couple weeks before you know preparing for that so then it's that's he's like i'm sorry to ask you so short notice uh but you want to do it i was like sure we could do that so the lord had a few days before believe it or not had brought something kind of to my attention as i was reading and just kind of planted a seed i guess so you know surprisingly not surprisingly god knows what he's doing um i was preparing my heart for something for for this so i'm grateful for how the lord works uh so psalm 139 i'm gonna take a drink of water because i have cotton mouth for some reason TMI, I know, I'm sorry. Uh, Psalm 139, we're going to read through the whole chapter, so stay alert, stay awake, or or we could stand up halfway through, you never know. So Psalm 139, verse number one, pay attention, I mean we always do, but pay attention to how, what the Lord says here. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off, thou compass my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea... Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I shall say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. 
For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely that, will say, surely that will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this evening. Thank you for church. Thank you for the people that are gathered here today, this evening, that make your church. Lord, again, I do pray that everything that's done here in the next half hour or so will glorify you and honor you, uh, praise you, and show you for who you are. Help us as your people to understand who you are to see where you are, how you are in, in accordance with us, and what you think of us, your views of who we are to you. Help us to understand our place in this world. Help us to understand how you love us and care for us more than we can even comprehend. Lord, help me in my thoughts. Help me to get across what you would have me to say this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that's a good chapter of the Bible, wouldn't you say? There's a lot of good things in there, and we have we could preach numerous messages and do numerous lessons in there, and we're just going to kind of walk through the whole chapter, okay? Is that all right? You can do that with me? Kind of go through the whole chapter and, and talk about basically God's view of, of us and God's view of some other things as well, but it starts off, the Lord talks, or David here writing this, talks about the Lord and how he knows me. David's writing about himself, but how the Lord knows us as his people, right? You look at verse number one, we know that the Lord knows everything, right? We know he's omniscient. He knows everything that ever was, everything that ever will be. Nothing surprises him. He knows everything, right? That's, I mean, that's a big deal. Our brains kind of have a hard time understanding that even to understand that God knows all, sees all as always, nothing ever surprises him. But then when we get to verse number one, immediately we find out Not only does he know everything, but he knows me. God makes it, and David, the Holy Spirit through David makes it very personal. You know, we can have an all-knowing, all-seeing, omniscient God that sits up top of a mountain and is just above everybody else. He knows everything, so thereby none of us could ever attain to his knowledge and attain to his wisdom. So we're just merely humble, lowly people beneath his soles of his feet. But that's not our God. Our God isn't that kind of God. Our God is very personal. Our God is very relationship-oriented. He knows me. And surprisingly, not surprisingly, he knows me better than I know me. And he knows you better than you even know you. Way better than you know you. The Lord knows me. Personal God. 
And it doesn't matter if you're 15, doesn't matter if you're 55, doesn't matter if you're 85. He knows you just as much as the next person. He doesn't know somebody more than others. He doesn't overlook somebody because of who they are or what they are or what they've done, wherever they've been. God knows everybody the same. And that's everything. You can't be hidden from God. There aren't things about you God doesn't know. There aren't things that you go through your mind or in your heart that God has no idea they're happening. God knows exactly what's in your mind. He knows exactly what's in your heart. He knows exactly who you are, down to your motives, down to your feelings, down to everything about you. God knows you, and he cares about you. And we see through this chapter how much God cares about us. God, uh, David gets specific here going forward. He talks about knowing his, his motions, knowing his downsitting, his uprising, Right? He knows when he's sitting down, eating supper, taking it easy, whatever kings did back in the day, right? Um, he knows what he did when he got up. He understood what he was doing. As it continues to say, Thou knowest my down sitting, mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. So God not only understands what we're doing throughout the day, but he knows what's going inside our mind, he knows our thoughts. He, he understands our thoughts. Nothing is more close or quick than a thought. We have thousands of thoughts a day. Some of them are spoken. Some are said out loud. But I would venture to say, if you're anything like me, being a human being, so you're all, we're all pretty much the same, we have lots of thoughts that never come out of our, mind, out of our mouth. They're in our minds, they're in our hearts. They could be simple nonsense thoughts about you know i don't know chocolate is better than vanilla that's an opinion that could be something you say i don't necessarily agree with that but that could be a thought just random that goes through your mind someday god knew that thought was happening or you could have a thought about psalm 139 and say what is that does that apply to me it could be deep thoughts it could be simple thoughts but whatever thoughts go through our mind god knows them he he not only knows what they are he understands them that means he knows the motives behind those thoughts. He knows the intent of those thoughts. So when that guy cut you off on 229 coming to church tonight during rush hour, and you had that thought, God knew that thought. And he understood the intent of that thought and the motive and where that thought was coming from. Right? And we sometimes think all these thoughts that are in our head are just for us. No one else knows them. They're my thoughts. They're my inner monologue, right? Do, do we all have the inner monologue? You have conversations with yourself inside your head? Don't look at me like I'm the only one that does it because then I'm going to think I'm crazy, right? Those inside monologue, inner monologue thoughts that we have where we think about things and kind of talk to ourselves, have conversations. God understands those things. He sees them, right? And depending on our view of God, we could look at it and go, oh no, God knows all my thoughts. He thinks everything. I'm scared. Oh no, how could that be? And we could have a view of, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Oh no, God knows all my thoughts. And you know, depending on how your thought life is and what your attitude is towards life and things, that could be maybe a scary thing. Sure. But when you look at it and understand that God knows everything and he knows me and he cares enough about us to, to care about our thoughts... Not just to get us in trouble, not just to hear the sinful thoughts, but the, the thoughts of concern and worry and care. God cares about us. 
more than we understand, way more, I think way more than we understand as human beings, God loves us and cares about us. We don't give him credit for the love that he has towards us. We know, we have that knowledge, right? Patrick and I were talking about this this evening, talking about God's word. It's one thing to know and have knowledge of things, but it's another thing to believe it and to live and for it to change you because of what you know. God loves you. God knows you. And you may know that and you may understand that, but does it change you? Do you really understand how much God knows you and loves you and cares for you? So much that he cares about your thoughts? It's deep. There's a lot there. And when we as humans try to grasp it, we sometimes can't have a difficult time. But the Bible here tells us that he knows when we're up and when we're down. He knows what we're thinking. It continues on and talks about knowing our path, knowing our direction in life. He's acquainted with all our ways in verse number three. There, there's, he takes note of every step we take. The cameraman told me to stand still, otherwise I'd walk that way and walk that way to make steps, you know, to illustrate steps, but I'm not going to do that because he asked me not to yet. But God knows every step you take. He knows everywhere you go. The good places, the bad places, sure, you can put places on it. But bigger picture, he knows where your life is headed. Those future is uncertain for everyone, isn't it? We don't always know where we're going to end up. We may be unsure of what we even have planned for the future. There may be doubts that change those things. But God's aware, right? God knows Josh and Mallory's future. He knew this time was going to come for them. He had no doubts. He knew exactly the day she would find out, the day they would end up in the hospital, the day, the moment, the minute when those first steps into the hospital were taken. He knew the, everything. He, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he knew he'd be right there with them. He understands their path. He knows everything about it. He's acquainted. It means he understands their ways. Verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Think about that for a minute. He knows every word your tongue will speak. Every word your tongue will utter out loud, God knows, already knows that word you're going to say. The good ones, the encouraging ones, the, the curses, the, the, the tearing people down, the yelling, the, the soft prayers, the, the tears, the words, every word that your tongue utters, there's not a word in my tongue, but oh, lo, O oh Lord, thou knowest it altogether. So there are two ways to look at that. And, and this whole chapter is kind of that way. There are two ways to look at that. We can look at it and it can challenge us to be careful about what we say because the Lord knows. But it also can, can encourage us to understand the Lord knows. He knows you so well. He knows every word that your tongue will say. Every single one. Can you, can you believe that? Every single word that your tongue utters, the Lord, is un, he knows it. And he cares. And you individually, and that times millions of people. Future, past, everything. That's our God. That's your God. He's that big. He's that powerful. He's that omniscient. He's capable of caring about you individually amongst everything else and caring about everybody else the exact same way. He knows every word in our tongue. Thou hast been set, beset behind me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. So David is saying you've, you know everything that's in front, you know everything that's behind. And then the big part of this verse, 
Your hand is upon me. He's laid his hand upon you. And I think the thought that that gives, something, again, two ways you can look at it. You can look at it like a chessboard. This is, and this could be your view of God, and it's a little askew. But you could think his hand is on you, and he's forcing you to, to make moves and to go certain ways, and he's controlling you because it's all about the rules and doing all the things the right way and not let me live my life. His hand is laid upon me. But really, the way what it's talking about here, I believe, is he's laying his hand upon you like, like when a doctor right, is, is wanting to hear, feel your pulse and put his hand upon you to heal you and to just kind of comfort you. The Lord, he's putting his hand on you like, like a doctor would take care of you. Like, like someone that cares about your well-being. Someone that cares about all these things that were listed before. Your path, your, to- your tongue, your thoughts. Someone that cares about you so much that he's put his hand on your life. In a way that he cares about you. He, he knows you. And wants to direct you. And knows, he knows the best thing for us. Doesn't he? He knows everything about that. He's laid his hands on us. And it's, it's always there. He never takes it away. Right? You know the comfort of a touch. Right? If you're going through a tough time, a hug will do a lot of good. Yes, even you guys. Hugs do good. We know that. Oh man, it'll hug. Okay. A hug is good. It's comforting. It's encouraging. When you go through tough times, that touch is important. And the Lord has his hand on us all the time. He's laid his hand upon me. And then David, David thinks about all those things. And he gets to verse 6 and he says, The knowledge of this, the understanding of this is too wonderful for me. It's just, it's overjoying. It's, it is high. I cannot attain to it. Meaning, it's so, just like we're saying, it's unfathomable. That God, omniscient, could be up high in his mountain looking down on us little ants in his, in his world. But no, he cares about every single one of us. To the point where he cares about our thoughts. The words we say. And he's there to put his hand on us. And David said, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. He loves me more than I can imagine. And because, it's just, it's too much for me. It's overwhelming to me. It's so high I can't even describe how to feel about it because I don't, I don't have the limit. I can't get there. That's what David is saying that God feels towards us. And it's not just for David in the year he wrote this. It's for us today in 2021. He cares about you that much. David wasn't special, right? God loves you today, right now, just as much as he loves David, just as much as he loves anybody else. His hand is upon us and he cares about us. So after David talks about that, he starts admiring some things about the Lord. He starts admiring the things that he is capable of doing. And then it continues that thought of it's just it's so wonderful to have this knowledge. So this is kind of like the next section of this this thought process. Verse number seven, David starts just hypothetically speaking some things, right? He says, whither shall I go from thy spirit? We know the Lord is a spirit, right? God the Father is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit. The Lord is a spirit. He can be anywhere. So David says, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Meaning, where can I get away from you? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? He's saying, is there anywhere I can go that will get away from where, where you are? And again, you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as like, how do I get away from this ever looking eye and hand upon me? How do I hide from it? How do I get away from it? 
And again, if that's the viewpoint, then we're living our life for us and we're way misunderstanding who God is. Or secondly, we can look at it and say, no matter where you go, no matter what kind of day you're having, no matter what state you're in, no matter what country, no matter where on the planet you exist or where in your mind the day you're having is, where your attitude is, where your demeanor is, where your emotional state is, no matter where you go, God's right there. Like there is nowhere you can go that he's just not right next to you. I just woke a few of you up. Good morning. There's nowhere you can, you can go that God's not right there with you. You can't get away from him. Even if you wanted to, which we, don't, we should not want to, but even if you did, there's nowhere you can go that God is not there because he loves you that much. He cares about you that much that he will not leave you. No matter what. No matter what. Whether shall I go? He, he gives a couple of hypotheticals. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. Right? And I think the thought there is, heaven is ever growing, isn't it? Heaven is, think about how, and if you want to think about it crowded wise, it's clearly not crowded. But think about the millions and millions and millions of people that are in heaven right now. From all of past, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Think about every human being that's ever lived that accepted Jesus as their savior, understood the penalty he paid for their sins so that they didn't have to. Every person that put their faith in him that has passed away is now in heaven. Just think of the people you know, and the older we get, the more people we start to know, isn't it? But then think about the people that are in the Bible, the people through just the country of the United States. The short amount of time we have been a country compared to all history. Think of the millions and millions and millions of people in heaven. And David says, if I go up there, which we will someday, and all those people are there, God is right there with you, individually, personally. No matter how many people are around, God is there with you. And he's also there with everyone else the same way. Wow, God is amazing. God is not human. God is nothing like us. God is above us. So whether I go to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. No matter in that word there, hell is Sheol or the deepest part of the earth. You could dig as far down as you want, go to in the grave. No matter where you go, God is there. He's giving two giant opposite ends of the spectrum to explain to us that he is everywhere. There's nowhere you can go where God isn't. I like this next verse, verse number nine. If I take the wings of the morning, and when I read that for the first time, I'm like, what is, okay, great. Think of a bird, right? Wings of the morning, birds in the morning. Okay, birds are loud in the morning. Birds and wings go in the morning. Okay, birds fly everywhere. I don't think that's what it means. Think about when the sun rises. You ever been up? Carter, he didn't want me to use you, but in the morning before 10, there's the giant ball comes up in the east. It's bright and yellow and it's sun. The sunrise, they call it, okay? Sorry, just take the moment to teach when you can, right? Okay kidding I'm kidding he told me not to use them so of course I'm going to use them so in the morning when the sun comes up and those sun rays first shine through the trees first shine through the sky that's I believe that's the wings of the morning because think about it David's saying these great giant things how could you be with me the wings of the morning think about how fast sunlight travels I don't remember the the numerical number so I'm not even going to attempt to try but sunlight goes quickly and fast speed of light and all that right David's saying, if I could ride that light, the wings of the morning, and just go, you're, you're there. God, you're there. There's no, I could go, and he can t- talks about going to the utmost parts of the sea, going as far away on a deserted island, and God's right there. 
God is with us all the time, no matter where we are. And he continues, even there in the utmost parts of the sea, even there the hand shall lead me because you care about me. Your right hand shall hold me. So he continues to talk about how the Lord cares about us so much that he has us in his hands. Right? When your kids are little and they're just starting to walk, right? And they're toddling around, along and they fall all the time. And then you go to the playground and they're like four years old and they're, they can walk fine, but they're still, you don't trust them like up on the ladders going down the slides, right? What do you do as a parent? You grab their hand and you're holding their hand and you're holding their arm and you're holding everything to make sure they don't fall, right? Because you care about them and we're human, right? We're sinful creatures and we care about our children and that analogy of having our hand on them and guiding them and keeping them safe. God has his hand on us because he cares about us. Think about that. When you're having a tough day, maybe you had a tough day today. I don't know what your day was like today. Maybe you had a tough week. Maybe something really bad happened in the last seven days. Something you never wanted to go through. Something you wish hadn't happened. Something you're maybe still dealing with the consequences of it today. And you just feel like it's, it's the end of the world. You know it's not, but you really kind of feel that way. You wish you didn't have to deal with it. And it just feels helpless, hopeless, frustrating, angry. Like there's a lot of emotions that can get tied up in bad days and bad things. And when those moments happen to us as humans, we, we focus on us. We inward focus on all the bad things and the negative things. And we forget a lot of times, at least, at least initially, God's hand is on us. It doesn't matter how good or bad your day is. Right? The great days were like, praise the Lord, Sunday was awesome, people were saved, this was a great day, the Lord's hand was here. But then the day where things, everything goes wrong, right? the checking account isn't what you thought it was, you don't have money to pay that bill, somebody is sick and you don't know how to, you can't fix it. There are issues coming and problems in your life and things that everyone deals with, but no one likes to deal with. Those days you don't, there's no, rah, the Lord is here. But guess what, rah, the Lord is there. God is with you still on those days. And we as humans forget that because bad things happen and we get consumed with those things and it bothers us. And we're human, it's going to, and God knows that. But that's why we have God's word to encourage us and ensure us that his hand is on us no matter where you are. No matter where you are in, in physical space, no matter where you are in mental and, and, and emotional space, God is there. His right hand is holding you. And then he continues to talk about analogies and give, give comparisons, saying, surely the darkness shall cover me. Even the night shall be light about me, saying, in the darkness, that's where people go to hide, right? That's where, as human beings, the, the bad things happen in the dark alleyways, right? We try to get out of the sight of everyone, and that's where the negative and the bad things happen. But David says, dark and light are the same to you, God. You, you see in the dark just as well as you see in the light. There is really no difference to God. And so on those dark days, God sees you clear as day. God sees you as if you were having the best day. God, it doesn't change for God. And he sees you and he's there to hold you. There's, there's no place you could ever go that's away from his presence. There's no dark day that you could ever experience that he is not there. God sees everything. He knows us more than we can even comprehend and he sees everything we've done. The next few verses talk about being made, how we as human beings are made. And it's a good, a good portion of scripture talking about how we are life at conception. 
right? And that humans are humans from the minute they're conceived and there's not a waste of, of human life in the womb because God knew you in the womb. While you were being formed, it talks about how he has written down every one of your members. He knows all the fingers on your hands, all the toes on your feet before you were born. God knew you, right? And we all are like, yeah, that's, we know that and we, we agree with that and we think that's awesome and it's a good uh, pro-life, if you want to say, stance. Biblically, it's just a pro-Bible life stance. Um, but think about it. Before you were born, right, how many ever years ago that was? For me, it was almost 41 years ago, before I was born. God knew me in my mother's womb and knew what my future would be. He had plans for my life. He knew who I would marry. He knew my wife. She was already born before I was. So I'll let you do the math there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but she, he knew her. He knew her future. He knew where we would meet. He knew before I was born, I was in the womb. My fingers were still forming. My brain cells were still forming. And they maybe didn't quite complete all the way through, but they were forming what was there. And he knew me. He knew my future. But then he also knew my kids. Think about this. Before I was born, I was in the womb. I wasn't... No one had seen my face but God. Not one other human being had ever seen my real face. They used, you know, really way back then. There were no 3D pictures of us in the womb back then. Um, But no one had ever seen my real face except for God. And he knew me, he knew my future, and he knew what my kid's future was. And you know what? He'll know if the Lord tarries. He knows what my grandchildren, who they are, what their names are, what their future is. Think about that. That's the God that saved you from your sin. That's the God that wants a relationship with you. Back to verse number one. He knows me. That's the God that knows you. That wants you to know him. That wants a relationship with you. That wants to hold you in his right hand. He does. He wants you to know that he does. He cares about you that much. Think about that. Think about that. Thinking about our kids and our grandkids. And if the Lord tarries generation upon generation. And he knows everything about them and he loves them that's amazing god again go back to verse six such knowledge is too wonderful for me he knows everything and the reason he knows everything is he's our designer right he designed us he he created us he knows everything about us he is the creator of us as human beings right our parents are just the the instruments really used by the designer to create us Our parents were involved, and you as parents were involved, but God created them. God created us as human beings. Think about that. He knows you because he designed you. He knows you better than you. Just like someone that makes cars or designs motorcycles and takes them apart, puts engines back together. That designer knows that machinery better than the machinery knows itself. The machinery just knows to work the way the designer made it. Right? You turn the key and the machinery works, but the machinery doesn't really understand. And I know I'm talking about inanimate objects here, but you get my point. It doesn't understand. It just does what it's made to do. That's what God did to us. We're a little bit more free will than a motorcycle. You know, God can turn the key, turn us on, and we could do something we're not supposed to do. But God still knows the way we are made because he made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. 
And then we get to this part. This might be my favorite part in this whole chapter. I hope you're still with me. Verse number 17. Think. Okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to read it again. Think about what's being said here. And if it doesn't make you smile, at least inside, you read it again. Verse 17 said, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now, there are a couple ways we can look at that. We can look at the way that God thinks and how precious God's thoughts are to us. And we have God's thoughts here in God's word. But we'll also think about God thinks, God thinks about, God thinks about you. Do you understand that? Do you understand? I mean, we've just gone through a bunch of verses already, how God loves us and cares about us and knows everything about us. You don't care about something or someone and know everything about them without thinking about them, do you? Right? Before you got married, husbands and wives, that's probably all you, while you're courting, dating, that's probably all you thought about was the other person. Thought about how pretty she was, when's the next time you're going to see her, when's the next time, I'm, I'm talking from my perspective because I'm a guy, so I don't know what you girls think about. But as a guy, just think about how pretty she is, how much can't wait to see her again, how much can't wait to talk to her again, when am I going to run into her, when are we going to spend time together, all these things I think about her. Right? Because I know her and I'm getting to know her. Well, God created us. He's our designer. He loves us. He cares about us. He thinks about you. You know that? God thinks about you. He thinks about you a lot. He thinks about you more than I think we understand he thinks about us. We're on his mind all the time. And he's our our God. We We should be thinking about him all the time. Our minds should be on him all the time. And the Bible tells us over and over again that we should focus on him and think about him and care about him, his commandments, what he, can, what he wants from us. We should meditate on him. But the Bible tells us that God thinks about you a lot. What does it say? It says, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. You ever been to a beach? You ever been to even a lake beach with sand? There's lots of sand. There's miles of beachfront sand across the world. It's everywhere. It gets everywhere. It's itchy. It's irritating, right? That sand, it's everywhere. But think about how minute a grain of sand is. So I have this, my wife, if you've been to our basement, we have a beach theme in our basement here in South Dakota because if you're going to go to the beach, you have to have a theme in your basement because we're in South Dakota. So she has some sand in the basement from the sunny shores of Walmart. Uh, She bought this sand at Walmart. Uh, that's funny so we got some sand here I mean I'm going to try to pick up one one grain of sand it's almost impossible to do All right, cameraman can you focus no I'm just kidding I'm kidding Mark we don't have that good of cameras yet but we're working on it Uh, so I have one grain of sand on my finger I mean it's I can barely see it and I'm right here there's no way no one out there can see this grain of sand on my finger it's white too don't tell me you can see it you can't see it that's one grain of sand. Can you imagine in this small little jar how many grains of sand are in that one little jar? If I dump this out, which I will not do, but if I dump this out on the carpet, it, w- it would make a little pile of sand. But it's a lot of sand, a lot of individual grains of sand making a little pile. I think I lost it. It's gone. Let's make a little pile. Now take that and, and, and pretend it's a beach. This whole building would be covered in sand feet deep. Right? It's not just the top layer, it's feet deep. And then it goes out into the water. 
right? In the ocean and lakes, there's sand down there. The sand is, it's that when you think about the actual physical thing that sand is, because God talks about Abraham's descendants being as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and we're like, wow, that's a lot. Well, it's like 100,000, some million, maybe that's a lot. You know, and our brains don't really comprehend that number. But when you really look at what's, how tiny grains of sand are and how much sand is in the world, and that God says here that if I should count your thoughts towards me, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. God, God thinks about you so much, so much cares about you so much that his thoughts of you are more than more than the sand again back to verse six such knowledge is too wonderful for me what a god you have what a god we have that thinks about us and cares about us in such a manner we don't get it we don't we live our life we go to work, we deal with our mortgages, we deal with our children, we try to plan for retirement, we try to take care of things and do the right thing and be good people. We don't get our God often. And then there are moments, hopefully when we're reading our Bible or when we're praying or when a message is preached that we are able to stop enough and think and quiet things down for a moment and try to understand the reality of our God. And when we do that, it, 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 humbles, it humbles us. It brings us to our knees. It brings us low. It makes us understand, wow, that God loves us that much. It kind of makes all the problems of, world, of your life just kind of melt away. They don't go away, but you understand the bigger picture. You understand who God is and what he thinks about you. And when you understand that, and when you think about that, when you take the reality of what God says in his word about his thoughts towards us, man, nothing is impossible for us. It makes other passages of the Bible seem so much more plain and understandable. And why God would say the things he says, because this is his view. This is his view of us. This is how much he knows us. And when we understand that, we look at God and say, man, you understand how much he loves you. And it, it, it has to change you. If it doesn't change you, then you walk away and you go back to your life. And you, you, you try to leave God out of it. But God's still part of it. If you're saved, God's still there. You can't get rid of him no matter if you want to or not. But when you understand he loves you, a mature Christian, right? Brother Pyle talked about us as Christians growing and being spiritually mature. A mature Christian, a mature church, when we understand those things, it changes us. It changes our heart. It changes our view and our appreciation towards God or maybe realigns us to where we know we should be. But it helps us view God in the right light and understanding his love towards us and his care towards us as individuals. And if we understand that there's no way, as a mature Christian, that doesn't change us. There's no way we walk away the same. After reading chapters and verses like this, there's no way we can walk away and be like, that was great, now I have to go back to work. In one ear, out the other. It has to change our heart. And then David finishes up this chapter as we finish up, talking about the wicked talking about the people in the world that don't care for him 
right? And he and David is trying to say, I'm with you. I'm on board with you, God. Those that, that hate you, I hate them. And he's not saying I hate them as people, but what is he saying? What are these enemies doing? Verse 20 says, for they speak against thee wickedly. Against God. They speak against God wickedly. And then enemies take thy name in vain. So David's saying, I see the sin that the world is committing against you. They, they speak wickedly against you. They take thy name in vain. And I hate that. David says, I hate that that's how things are. Because how could you not when this God who loves you like this and thinks about you and cares about you that much and then people throw his name out in vain and speak wickedly about him, that stirs up some anger in David and says, I hate them. I hate that sin, right? And then he finishes out though and says, but I know they're doing wicked. They're saying wicked things about thee and taking thy name in vain. But Lord, far be it for me to say that I would never be there too because he says, search me. Verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And what we know, the verses we read already, we know God knows our thoughts. He said it. We know God knows our heart. So David says, you already know these things, but I want you to know, God, that I want you to know. Right? He says, God, you already know my thoughts. You already know my heart. But Lord, search me to see what? Verse number 24. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way of everlasting, in other words, and root it out. He's saying, God, you know my thoughts, you know my heart. Man, the, the, the knowledge of what you know about me and how you care about me is so high, it's so wonderful, I can't even comprehend it. But because you know me that way, and there is sin in this world, and I am still a human being, please don't let me go there. Search me. I'm open. I'm an open book. I already am an open book, because you already know, but I willingly... I'm not trying to keep anything from you. Nothing in my heart, nothing in my mind. Lord, read me like an open book. And if there's something there, root it out. That's his prayer. He says, God, if there's something there, get it out. And here's the surprise. Newsflash. There will be things there, folks. Because we're, we're sinful creatures. We will not be glorified until the Lord comes back or until we die. We don't, we don't attain until heaven. So there will be sin in our life. God has paid for that sin, right? It's done with. He's dealt with it. But there's sin that can inhibit us and prohibit us from having the relationship with God that he wants us to have. And so David says, and hopefully we say, understanding all this that you know about me, God, and then how much you love me and care about me, take whatever wickedness comes into my mind, comes into my heart, and show it to me. Lay it bare and root it out. Don't let me try to hide it from you. Don't let me try to tuck it in that little compartment in my mind where no one else gets to go but me. Help me understand. Remember, you're already there. You know my thoughts are far off. And don't, let it, don't let me get it there. Root it out. Take it away from me. And when we understand how God loves us and his view of, of sin, that will be our prayer. Because we understand all that he's done for us and how much he is for us and how much he cares and loves and thinks about us to not want to be in a place where we're in opposition with him. We want to be in a good place with him, to have that relationship with him that he wants us to have. So our prayer should be like David's was, see if there's any wicked way in me and, and lead me out of it. Get it out of me. Search my heart. Search my thoughts. And, and try me 
so that I don't, don't go there. When you have those dark, bad days, it's real easy to get upset. I talked about it, angry, frustrated, bitter, right? There are, there are potential sins emotionally there. And we need to make sure that we don't let ourselves go there. And we ask God to show us, because again, he knows us better than we do. He knows we're going there before we even realize it. So hopefully this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, hopefully it's kind of, for me, I'll just, for me it reset my, my thinking on God. That's a big statement, I know. But I don't know, again, I don't know how you can read this chapter and not just reset your mind on where God is with you, how he thinks about you, and how that doesn't reset our heart and change how tomorrow will be. Change how the ride home tonight will be. Change how we go to bed tonight. Change the things we do as we lay our head on our pillow. Or no pillow if we don't sleep with pills, Gabe. Uh, if we just lay down as we go to sleep, sorry. If we go to sleep and, and right before we go to bed and as our mind goes into that unconscious state, a chapter like this should change the thoughts that run through our mind as we lay on our bed and drift off to sleep. And it should change the way we wake up tomorrow just like David said, and change the way we live our life because of who God is to us. All right, I'll pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, thank you for the truths that are there. They've always been there. This is nothing new. I've not discovered something that's never been able to be understood before today. It's always been there. Since before the, before the world was even established, your word was in heaven and, and you knew us and knew everything about us before you even created the heavens and the earth. Lord, help us as your people to humble ourselves, to understand who we are, to understand where we stand on this earth and history, to understand how much you love us how much you care for us is so much more than we really do understand. Help us to know that. And then, Lord, help it to change us. Help it to change the way we live. Help us not to forget those things so when tomorrow comes and we have to deal with a situation that's not something we would prefer to deal with, we know we're in your right hand. We know that your hand is upon us. We know that you love us and care for us so that we can respond as you would respond if you were here. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done for us. Pray that you'll help us to change who we are because of what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.